Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Monday, which means it's time for First and Ten with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, uh, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Some breaking news as we start uh, today's podcast. Uh, Julio Jones, not breaking news necessarily. It happened over the weekend, but uh, new to uh, to uh, talk about uh, for sure. Um, and there's a little bit of a Raider element uh, involved as well. But anyway, Julio Jones, a star wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons, gets traded to the Tennessee Titans. It relates to the Raiders because, let's face it, if the Raiders are um, you know want to be the playoff team that they want to be, Teams like the Tennessee Titans uh, are teams that they're going to probably have to deal with at some point, whether it's in the wild card race, uh, whether if the Raiders do make the playoffs, potentially playing them in the playoffs. Uh, So somewhere along the line, Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans could cross paths uh, with the Raiders. That said, I just want to first say that um, today's episode is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and presented by BlueWire.com. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome in uh, our great co-host, uh, friend, and colleague, Sam Gordon. Sam, how are you doing, my man? What's up, Vinny? Doing, doing well, doing well. Like you said, a big weekend indeed. Yeah, let's 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 stay with that. Um, you know, uh, were the Raiders, Raiders interested in Julio Jones? There's no question that they were interested in Julio Jones. Who wouldn't be? Um, but you know, at $15.8 million, I think it is, that he's owed this year. Uh, the money just wasn't going to work and pretty much told uh, in un- no uncertain terms that, you know, um, that was a big, big, big hurdle to clear, uh, not just for the Raiders, but for multiple teams. It's probably why the Atlanta Falcons didn't get the desired return uh, that they were hoping for to get a player of that caliber. Uh, it's why only a very select few teams were even um, able to be in the conversation because of the salary that was owed Julio Jones. Uh, but it is what it is, and Julio Jones is going to the Tennessee Titans. I think that really lifts that offense to a whole other level. What are your initial thoughts on uh, Mr. Jones going to Tennessee? Well, Vinny, I think, like you said, that that offense is scary now, right? I mean, it was already very, very good. You had – a 2,000-yard running back in the prime of his career in an emerging star, a 23, it's going on 24-year-old star in A.J. Brown um, at, at, as your number one wide receiver uh, already who's building and developing in this league. And then you add an established star in Julio Jones, and suddenly you're looking at the best receiving tandem in the NFL to go with a 2,000-yard back and a quarterback that has found his groove in Tennessee and, and has played, let's be honest, the last two years is statistically and in the win-loss column um, like a top 10 quarterback, uh, Ryan Tannehill gets nothing but but propers and respect for how he's played uh, leading the Titans to consecutive playoff bursts in the AFC championship game in 2019. So uh, with that in mind, um, this this offense has a total new dynamic. And who are you going to double cover? Like, you, you, what are you going to do? Are you going to stack the box? Are you going to double cover one guy and, and leave the other um, leave the other receiver out on an island one on one like this? This has the chance to be, be a very, very, very scary offense. 
And it can beat you from multiple ways. You don't necessarily, you're not necessarily depending on one person to have a 200 yard day. Um, like maybe they were last year, even as good as AJ Brown was with Corey Davis. Sometimes it was still a lot of Derrick Henry. Sometimes you needed those big plays. And now you're coming at Tennessee is going to be coming at opposing teams from all angles. So I think it's huge. I think it's, it, it adds an incredible dynamic um, to Tennessee. And, and it's going to be very, very exciting to see the kind of points and the kind of numbers that this group is going to be able to put up um, throughout the course of 2021. And, you know, when we look at the uh, the AFC South, I saw um, a, a tweet from Colin Cowherd um, kind of indicating that, you know, this is still the Indianapolis Colts' uh, division. But I, I, I got to push back on that. Um, we don't know uh, what kind of Carson Wentz is is, is landing in, in Indianapolis. Now, if Carson Wentz returns back to his 2017 type form, uh, certainly that's a game changer for the Colts. Uh, but to me, at least going into the season, with everything else that the that the uh, Colts do have going for them uh, themselves, that uncertainty at quarterback to me is a little bit too uncertain at this point. When I look at the Tennessee Titans, I'm kind of looking. I think I look. I'm looking at the team that owns that division because then after that, you know, you've got tremendous uncertainty with the Houston Texans and then tremendous certainty with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, you look at the Colts. I think. The whole situation depends. What kind of Carson Wentz are you getting? All right. Yeah. Like we can sit here and think, Vinny, that because we saw Carson Wentz play really, really well in 2017 and we saw seeds of that the following year that he's going to be back and that because he's with a better offensive line and there's weapons around him. But that doesn't – we don't know. Like we – until we actually see him go out there and perform, we really have no idea. And like – let's not act like it was the Indianapolis Colts division. Like it's been the Titans division the last couple of years. The Titans hosted a home playoff game last year as the division champions and were in the AFC championship game two years ago. So I think Indy is going to be better um, for sure. I think they, they have the upside. I think there's that opportunity there. Like you said, we don't know what we're going to get from Jacksonville. So we'll see. I don't think you have to worry about the Houston Texans just given their situation, but I'm not, I think this division quietly now has become one of the more interesting divisions in football with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer now with the, the receiving tandem in Tennessee and the offensive firepower that they already have, and then of course with Carson Wentz. So I'm not giving, a, I'm not handing the division over to the Colts by any means. I, I think there's a lot to play for in this division. It's going to be really, really exciting, very, very competitive. And if anything, Tennessee's the defending division champs. They're the ones that have made the deep playoff run more recently. I still think they're they're in the driver's seat and a little ahead based on where we're at on paper at this point in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as we circle back uh, to the Raiders, uh, again, you know, they have to keep an eye on things around their conference because, you know, conventional wisdom suggests that the Kansas City Chiefs are the cream of the crop uh, of the AFC West. Uh, you don't want to hand anything to anybody, but that's, if we're being real, this is the Kansas City Chiefs division until further notice, let's put it that way. So if you're the Las Vegas Raiders and you're looking at a path to the playoffs, obviously, first and foremost, you want to win your division. That's the goal of every team. But you have to be realistic about that. So um, so short of that, what you also then have to do is look at the rest of the AFC and where you fit in that hierarchy. Uh, and you know, just to throw out the teams that I think are going to be in that mix, obviously, the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, not quite sure yet about the New England Patriots, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, probably, you know, they always find a way to rebound uh, the Raiders, obviously the Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. So um, 
I'm not quite sure where the Denver Broncos are right now. I can't, I can't really. There, there's just too much uncertainty uh, at the quarterback position. So, Sam, as I mentioned, those teams, and if we're thinking about wild card right now, I know it's way too early, um, but as you look at the rest of the AFC, and let's assume that it's the Tennessee Titans in the in the South. Let's assume that it's the Buffalo Bills in the East. Um, who are you going with in the North? Like if you were just to pick it today. If I was just to pick it today, Vinny, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns okay. uh, based on what they were able to do last year, going 11-5, and five, uh, and then the upgrades they made, uh, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball, going defense in the draft, and then bringing over your guy, John Johnson, one of the best safeties in the NFL in his prime, entering the prime of his career to help out on that back end and also in the run game. So you would think another year with Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, you know, takes another little baby step. Um, there's more continuity there. They're healthy. And then that improved defense. I like I like Cleveland in the north, but I think, of course, Baltimore contender there as well. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, as as fate would have it, uh, the way the schedule works out for the Raiders this year, um, they really have a chance. Well, starting from the first two uh, weekends of, of the season, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams that you almost have to assume based on, um, you know, past track records and whatnot that those are teams that are going to be whether it's battling for their division or battling for um you know a, a wild card you figure that those two teams historically are are among the teams that that you have to deal with then so the the, the Raiders play them to start the season they also play the uh, Browns uh, this year uh, they also play the Indianapolis Colts this year. They play the Miami Dolphins. That's this a year. tough schedule. Yeah, my God. But it's <laughs> tough. But it's opportunity. It creates opportunities. Yes, yes. It creates opportunities for the Raiders to really be able to kind of control their own fate when, it, as it relates to that AFC, or help control their own fate as it relates to, um, you know, uh, one of those wild card berths. So obviously they play the Chiefs. Obviously they also play the Chargers. Uh, you know, you you figure that they're going to be improved. Um, so you know the the if you're talking about a path to the playoffs, now it could work both ways. It could be just too daunting of a schedule because those are some good teams that they're playing. Every team that we just mentioned, Sam, in prior to talking about it from this perspective, were teams that we were assuming were going to be in the playoff chase. Right now we're naming all these teams that the Raiders are playing, and lo and behold. Every one of those teams, every single one of those teams is on the Raiders schedule. Yep. Like you said, gives the Raiders some opportunity and you're going to, we're going to see relatively quickly. Now, of course, 17 game season and, and, and you would expect with the upgrades the Raiders made that they should be um, in the mix, at least competing for a wild card berth throughout the course of the year. But I think based on what you said, Vinny, like you said, the Raiders are playing all these teams. They're playing teams early in the season. We're going to have a pretty early look at how the Raiders stack up and kind of where they fit in this entire landscape and what kind of potential they have to make some noise um, in this wild card picture. So I do think, yeah, while it's a tough schedule, it does give them an opportunity to, okay, establish themselves early on, maybe separate themselves from the pack or understand early on in the season, what kind of ground they're going to have to make up. Um, And then of course you add the element of that 17th game too. Like these playoff races always seem to come down to the wire in some capacity. I know it certainly did last year where there were still on the last day of the season, moving parts and things that were going to need to happen. Now with another game, you don't think that's going to extend uh, an extra week? Of, of course it is. So uh, that that like the AFC in, just in general, the last couple of years has just gotten so deep um, and so talented, and so many franchises have improved and changed their tra- trajectory. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Like where where do the Raiders fit in all this? I mean, we're gonna we're not too long from we're not too far away from finding out. And um, like you said, I do think the Chargers are going to be better. I do think Miami 
with Tua in his second year is going to be better. Um, in terms of Pittsburgh, you never know. If Pittsburgh always finds a way, but what does Ben Roethlisberger still have at age 39 going into his age 39 season? So there's a lot of different, you know, all types of moving parts. And, and like you said, like we talked about at the top of the show, this Julio Jones piece, this trade is just the latest moving part that's going to, I think, imagine um, play some kind of role in determining how this playoff chase shakes out. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a couple of moves that the Raiders uh, made. Well, one, in the, the, the biggest, I would say, uh, which hasn't been official yet. It looks like it's been agreed upon. Um, and uh, that was the addition of, uh, or at least coming to terms um, with Sam Young, the uh, the offensive tackle, a veteran offensive tackle who appears headed back uh, to the Raiders. I'm, I'm going to just assume right now, number one, um, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, you got to take the physical and all that. Uh, but number two, if I'm Sam Young, I'm probably like, uh, um, I'll see you uh, in training camp um, or I'll see you maybe in, in, in mini camp. No real rush for him to sign right now. Um, but but larger picture of that, the addition or the expected addition of Sam Young probably tells us a little bit about uh, the Raiders thoughts on their tackle position in terms of and I've gotten this a few times, you know, wow, is that Alex Weather Leatherwood? You know, is there some concern about Alex Leatherwood? I would not read anything into this as it relates to Alex Leatherwood or obviously Colton Miller. I think it's behind those two players uh, where maybe the, some of the uh, anxiousness rests. Brandon Parker has not flat out given a, you know, uh, distinguished himself in multiple chances that were afforded him to do exactly that. He hasn't taken uh, the bull by the horns. In fact, every time that he's been given an opportunity, he kind of gets knocked back uh, off a little bit. So how much certainty does a guy like Brandon Parker uh, present? Then there's Jared Jones-Smith, um, or excuse me, Jared Smith-Jones, who, complete unknown. Uh, DeVry Hamilton, uh, the young undrafted free agent by from Duke by way of Stanford, um, so when you start looking at what's behind the two starters and and who might be the best available swing tackle, I can see how the Ra Raiders would be a little bit uh, uncertain in that regard. And especially after now, you know, having having guys on the field for a few weeks now, you know, maybe they've gotten a good look at what they have at that position. They're like, we probably need a little bit of help. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we've talked about this on the pod before, Vinny. Sam Young last year. Swing tackle, you know, played a, a considerable amount given the the the, the tur uh, turnover. Yeah, the, you know what was going on with the Raiders' offensive line. You can't have. I don't. There's not. There's no such thing as too much depth, or there's no such thing as having too many veteran football players that have been in big moments and big games and have played different positions. And the fact that Sam Young is already familiar with what the Raiders want to do up front, has some experience playing for Tom Cable, knows guys, was a big part of the team last year. Um, I, I don't. I think it's a fine signing. I think it, it. You you want depth. You want reliability. You want versatility, and you want veterans. And he presents all those things. And with that in mind, why wouldn't you want to address that moving forward? Like you said, especially if there's some uncertainty behind your starters. That that, that you you don't want that. It's just football. Everybody's one play away from it being their last. There's an understanding of that. Teams deal with injuries all the time. And why not have insurance in the form of a veteran offensive tackle that played and played reasonably well all things considered, given the circumstances last season. So I think it's a fine move. Um, and if anything, right, what does this do? What do we always talk about, Vinny? Creates competition. And creating competition, especially at this point, while you're in OTAs, while you're getting ready for training camp, which is the real what, what, what really matters and where, where the all the big decisions are going to be made, um, I think it's great. I think it's great for the offensive line. I think it's great for the starters. 
uh, to, to have another veteran behind them. And I think it, it, it helps um, create a sense of urgency that the young guys that are behind the two starters, uh, it's time to see what they can do. Because Sam Young can play football. He can still play at this stage of his career. He still knows what he's doing. He's still serviceable. And, and I think it makes sense that the Raiders bring him back. Your time is valuable, so we've built a seven-minute non-stop newscast that fits into your daily routine. I'm Jen Ah. 7 at 7 keeps you informed anytime, anywhere. Look for top stories, weather, sports and sports betting, business, lifestyle and entertainment. Get every bit of local news you need in 7 minutes. Watch 7 at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Streaming non-stop 24-7 from the Las Vegas Review Journal on your mobile or smart TV. When you think about Denzel Good, uh, who right now is slotted as the, uh, the you know the starting right guard, um, but nipping at his heels is a guy by the name of John Simpson, uh, the fourth round pick last year from Clemson, and I think in the Raiders' hearts of hearts, they would love it, probably love it, if John Simpson declared himself, "Hey, uh, I'm going to take that starting right guard job." And I say that because now all of a sudden Denzel Good could probably go back to the role that he's best suited in and offers the most help uh, to the Raiders, and that is as a super sub uh, offensive lineman who has experience playing tackle, obviously has a lot of experience playing guard, but he's a guy that in a reserve role could cover a bunch of different positions, uh, and maybe that's the way it goes, but again, that's predicated uh, on, on John Simpson, you know, uh, uh, taking charge right there. We'll see where what happens, um, you know, when, when the pads, uh, uh, you know, come on. Another move that the uh, Raiders made uh, was uh, they, they signed a tight end, uh, Alex uh, Ellis. There was a uh, – they gave the, a shot to uh, – I think it was, what was it, Courtney Williams, um, the, the kid from um, Western Kentucky who came in as a basketball player trying to make it as a tight end. And unfortunately for him um, – he, had, he was dealing with a hamstring uh, throughout, you know, these OTAs. So hard to make a, a name for yourself when you when you just can't really perform because of an injury. So uh, the Raiders cut, cut ties with him, uh, brought in uh, a, a, a new tight end, Alex Ellis, um, kind of a veteran player. Uh, we'll see, you know, uh, where that uh, all all goes. So a lot, some tinkering, and 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 you know. Uh, Sam, we, we mentioned this. We've talked about this a few times. This is why this is such an important time of year. Uh, it's not just for you know the players themselves, but when you're the coaching staff and the decision makers, being able to get a really good look at your roster as it stands right now in order to, this, to, to sum up, decide, hey, um, are we good where we are at tackle? Are we okay where we are at tight end? What about cornerback? What about, you know, now ahead of training camp, in order to be able to, you know, really sit down and assess where the roster is before you get to training camp, so that if there's any tinkering that needs to happen, you do it prior to uh, training camp, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it makes sense. makes makes 100 sense um, what they're doing. Uh, you look at a guy like Alex Alex Ellis, 28 years old, journeyman. You know, been mo- mostly a practice squad guy in a number of places, but has played a little bit. But why not give him a look? Like, why not see where you where you stack up a tight end? Why not do some evaluating now? Like you said, get that out of the way, having a general idea of what you want to see going into training camp. So that way, um, you know, we know how tough those decisions are to make. I mean, it's 
you, you bring in a lot of guys, but at the end of the day, you can only carry, you know, you carry 53 guys and you want the best 53. And there are obviously really, really tough decisions that come along with that. We see teams adjust their roster all throughout the course of the season, uh, trying to, trying to tinker and address what their needs, what their needs are. And, uh, of course, it makes sense to do that in June. Just right now, get ahead of training camp a little bit, figure some things out. You've had a couple, uh, had some OTAs now to get a feel for where everybody's at, where different position groups are at. Just get a feel for, for, for certain things. Just see what's out there. And uh, and now you're doing the same thing. And with with a little bit with, you know, with OTA still still remaining um, with mini camp, like you said, and then with um, with training camp on the horizon, uh, it's it just, you know, you're just figuring some things out. You're, you're experimenting a little bit, seeing what you got. The Raiders have a general idea of, of who their heavy hitters are going to be and what their position groups are going to look like. But why not work guys out, see what guys have. Uh, anything to make this team as good as possible, and that's what that's what the team's doing. Clearly, yeah, uh, absolutely. Kind of an interesting little uh, footnote um, was uh, was was you know kind of um, how do I say this? Uh, but just sort of reaching out to to, to some people and uh, trying to get you know a handle on things. And and one of the um, one of the questions I had was uh, you know just about the possibility of you know uh, the Raiders playing three safeties. Uh, at any given time, uh, there's there's it's it's becoming more and more prevalent, uh, Sam, because you're trying to get a hybrid linebacker um, cornerback onto the field, um, somebody that's bigger than a cornerback and faster than a linebacker that's going to be able to a give you run support if the other team runs it uh, in in even in passing situations or uh, have somebody that's quick enough but also big enough to deal with tight ends uh, in pass coverage and, you know, uh, bigger wide receivers and running backs in pass coverage. So that's there's a trend now of getting three safeties on the field, taking a linebacker off the field. Typically, that meant bringing another cornerback on the field, and that always happens as well. But in this case, it would be bringing another safety, uh, you know, on the field. And so I just kind of reached out to people, hey, is that a possibility? Um, you know, in Gus Bradley's system, does that, you know, figure into it uh, at all? And one of the uh, interesting um, – the, the reason I'm even bringing this up is because um, the, the feedback that I got was, yeah, absolutely, you know, that's that's definitely part of the plan. But then uh, kind of a kind of a uh, uh, sort of a what, – what raised my antennas a little bit, got to figure out who the starting two safeties are first. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting because you kind of assume really that it's just – you know, Trayvon Morig uh, is one safety and Jonathan Abram is the other safety. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I think that's still going to be how it plays out, Sam, but um, I think they're, it's not etched in stone yet, which is kind of surprising to me. And one name that I brought up as, as this discussion kind of unfolded was Tyler Gillespie and the Raiders are, 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 they like what they see so far and they're really anxious to get him into the pads. They feel like he's going to really show up. Uh, once the pads come on and, and you know, the, the uh, physicality escalates a little bit because that's part of his game. So, you know, I'm, I don't know what to draw from that. I know that there's competition. We all understand that. Um, but, you know, that, that was a position that I felt like the Raiders had some certainty at, at least as it relates to the starters. Yeah, maybe they still do. But at the same time, Vinny, you draft Tyree Gillespie for a reason. Like, you don't draft a guy with the intention of not – or of him not ever playing or to not compete or to not see any kind of role. And they invested a draft pick on him. He has a pedigree, like you said, fast, physical, can fly around, um, had a really good career at Missouri. And at the very least, like you said, going to provide some competition. And once things, once the pads come on and you, you see what he can do, like, Hey, why, why, why not? Why can't he steal some playing time? Why isn't he in the position to do that? It really 
um, like we talked about before, really, it really kind of lights a fire or really kind of creates um, a situation where, you know, the top two guys, like the, the, the safeties that we expect to be starters, I mean, they got to perform, right? That's what this does. We're, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there real quick. Who are we talking about here? Like, With, like who's who's the – who? let's assume there's 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 one guy that they feel really good about and, and, and another position that they're not so sure about. What position do you think they're not so sure about if, if it was – if it played out like that? Are we talking about Abram or are we talking about Morig? I would imagine we're talking about Abram. I'd imagine we're talking that's about Abram. Thing, right? That's the thing, right? That's – Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. it, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting situation. You know, at the same time, we, we heard from Jonathan Abram earlier. We, you know, there's a sense that he, there, that he um, is going to be better and utilized better uh, under Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator with him playing closer to the line of scrimmage, with him being able to use his instincts, playing the run, being up in the box uh, and, and limiting his responsibilities and coverage. But – you know, what if Gillespie can really play, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Joseph, it's Carl interesting. Joseph. Carl Joseph is in the mix too, by the way. Yeah, 100%. Another veteran that's been with the Raiders before, that that is familiar with the franchise, that has been there and done that, has played at a high level. Um, let's not forget what Carl Joseph was doing last season, right? We were just talking about – who were we just talking about, Vinny? The Cleveland Browns. Right. What did the Cleveland Browns do? They made the playoffs. Who started yep. on that defense? Carl Joseph. Yep. So – it like like we said, you now there's depth, now there's competition, and that's what you want as an organization, right? Absolutely, no no, no doubt about it. Um, so we'll you know it's something, it's definitely something uh, uh, to monitor. Um, on the flip side, you know, in talking l- last week as we did uh, to to some of the some of the Raider veteran players and just kind of throwing it out there to them and not being specific in in how the questions were 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 asked and not in in other words not saying, hey, how is this guy doing or how is that guy doing? But it was more of, hey, who's, who's of the young players who's kind of who's showing up a little bit, um, which I always like because then that forces the guy that's answering the question to just on his own, from his own recollection, come up with some names. And um, a couple of the names that some of the veteran players have come up with are Morig, uh, Darren Waller, um, you know, really has some nice things to say about Trayvon. Uh, yep. And then and then also uh, Nate Hobbs, uh Trayvon Mullen, the Raiders' uh, third-year cornerback, now third-year cornerback, uh, was talking about Nate Hobbs, and nobody brought up Nate Hobbs' name. They just asked Trayvon who he thinks is, is is showing up. And I think that bodes well, too. I think that Nate Hobbs is somebody that has already shown some of these veteran players uh, an understanding of how to practice, how to approach things, um, you know, how to work, and the same with Trayvon uh, Morig. So uh, anything that you could draw from in, in that regard. Yeah, it just means that the Ra- you know that the Raiders are that the secondary is is taking the right steps. Like it's it's taking the right steps. They have players in there that the veterans, guys that are respected in this locker room that have produced um in this secondary are respect and, and feel like can be dif- difference makers. Like you said, nobody asked Trayvon Mullen to bring up Nate Hobbs. He just brought him up. So that must mean Nate Hobbs is balling. Right? That must mean that he's at the very least preparing like a pro coming in and 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 pushing for is going to push for some playing time and uh, the secondary, I mean, let's be honest about it. The secondary needs help. That's why the Raiders made all these moves. That's why they go out there and address safety and, and get depth at safety. That's why they go out there and address corner and, and, and create competition because that unit wasn't very good last year. So if you have, you know, in Trayvon Mullen, who felt to me like the most steady uh, uh, player in that secondary last year, if you have him saying these things about Nate Hobbs, uh, you, you, you take it you take it at face value. Nate Hobbs has come in and, and has put the work in and has earned the respect of one of the veterans and the leaders of that group. 
I think that bodes well. I think that bodes real well. And now whether that manifests in the playing time or whether that means he's going to be out here playing 75% of the snaps, who knows? It's, I think it's too soon to say that. But it, 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 it shows that this, the, the, the culture of this team, the culture of this secondary is, is taking steps in the right direction by bringing in guys that have professional work ethic, that, that understand um, what it means, even though they're just, just starting their NFL careers to be a professional, to prepare the right way, to practice the right way, and to push their their fellow defensive backs the right way. That's what you wanted out of the secondary. You wanted it to continue to evolve, to take steps, and by addressing it with young players and with veterans, you're doing that, and, and that's what they have the opportunity to do now is to really see who the best defensive backs are and, and put out uh, an improved defensive backfield. So I think it's great. I think it's great for the Raiders. Um, I think it's great for the, the the corners that they have now. I think it's great for the vets. And, it, again, just it's all about creating competition and figuring out who the best 11 are on, on each side of the ball. And the more good players you have, uh, the, the more depth you have and the more top-end talent you have, the, the better your team is going to be. That's that's fairly obvious, but we know that that wasn't always the case last season, um, and especially on that defensive side of the ball. Before we get out of here, uh, if you were uh, wishing and hoping that Nick Saban would finally uh, at some point retire and, uh, and, and leave college football to everybody else and not just Alabama uh, – yeah, you're in for a little bit of a long wait. Uh, looks like he signed a contract extension that now keeps him in um, at Alabama uh, through 2028, it looks like. Uh, and it looks like he's going to make about $70.6 million along the way. So uh, congratulations to Nick Saban. Uh, my condolences <laughs> to the rest of college football. <laughs> um, having to deal with the uh, the joggernaut and monster that he's, uh, he's created in Alabama. But, uh, you know, I got to say this when we're talking about that i think something that college football can do and this is not nick saban's fault i mean you know he's reaping the benefits of the tremendous program uh, that he built and there's no question about it but i think the fact that the playoffs are only what is it four teams right it's yeah a, it's a four-team playoff um and alabama yep. has consistent and, and, and just kind of a grouping there's like there's like a grouping of teams ohio state clemson Alabama that are seemingly consistently always in it. And then maybe yep. one other team, you know, a fourth other team like a wild card every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just has, you know, kids, that's what, that's the, the, the college football has created the biggest stage and only a few teams were in position at the time that that was instituted to really um, benefit from that. They were already built to be those, t- to be among those teams. Right. And, um, and now it's just, now they've, they've even gotten better because of that. Um, they've, they've taken it to another level because every top uh, high school kid wants to go where they're going to almost have an assurance of making the playoffs. I think if you were to expand the playoffs to maybe eight teams to give more teams an opportunity to play on the quote unquote biggest stage, it's only going to, um, I think it's going fi- to, to, to balance it out a little bit more on, on the recruiting, if that makes any sense. No, I'm with you completely. And I felt for a while, Vinny, that that eight teams makes the most sense, right? You, the, you get an automatic berth for there's you know the Power Five conferences. So the winner of each Power Five, you get an automatic berth. Then maybe it's the top group of five school, you know, like Central Florida a couple of years ago, UCF, when they went undefeated, right? A team yep. like that, and then you get two at large uh, bids from other other teams from Power Five conferences. I mean, maybe you know a team goes eleven and zero during the regular season and loses the game before the conference championship can't play in the conference championship game, but you feel like they're one of the best eight teams in the country or the selection committee feels that way. Um, it, it not only does it, like you said, create a bigger stage, a bigger platform um, for players, but like it, it, more parity in college football. 
And and I think it just creates more competition. And it's just, I mean, more who doesn't want more great games or more meaningful games? Now, I know some of these college football games, like you said, have been duds um, to a degree because of how dominant Clemson and Alabama have been. But at the same time, that's not necessarily true. You see the semifinals sometimes come right down to the wire. Some of these games are really, really thrilling. And who's to say that uh, an at-large team can't make some noise or that, in, or that the group of five team might not sneak up on, you know, the Pac-12 champion from any given season. So I'm with you completely. And it feels like at some point we're going to get there. There's going to be an expansion because four teams just doesn't necessarily feel like it's it's always enough, um, especially given how dominant, you know, the top two or three are. So maybe there's another, you know, you, you never know. Every year somebody could sneak in there and make some noise. And I think it, it, it makes more sense. And, of course, at the end of the day, like, we understand that this is a business that's about, you know, TV deals and stuff. And you don't think a few more games would make a few more dollars? Exactly. It definitely would. So exactly. I think it's we're trending there at some point. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So um, we're going to uh, get out uh, here and um, want to say thanks to uh, Larry Mira, our great producer, uh, for always making it sound good. Want to thank, thank uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, obviously, and BlueWire.com. Uh, we are back out at uh, OTAs, third week of OTAs, uh, phase three on Wednesday. So we'll have some thoughts and observations uh, about that. I think the Raiders are kind of closing in on, on, on you know, this part of the year and this part of the preparation and where they are with their roster. Players are making some moves. Some players may not be making some moves uh, as, as the roster uh, tinkering uh, pretty much indicates. Uh, but we've got you covered. I want to say thanks to all the uh, listeners out there. Thank you for downloading the uh uh, the podcast each week uh, the numbers are strong um and we appreciate that for, uh, not just for us but all the podcasts um on on vegas nation uh, and vegasnation.com we thank you from the bottom of our hearts truly uh so we have a great week we'll be back at it on monday uh giving you some observations on what happened uh this week and anything that might happen uh in terms of the roster between now and then uh really appreciate it uh sam thank you man have a great week uh we'll talk to you soon sounds good Vinny. take it easy Look for 7 at 7, local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app, or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Download the app, and you're ready to go for 7 at 7.